the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed, it is, and a good morning to nine minutes past ten o'clock as we start hour number two on this free-for-all Friday edition of The Authority. It's the 28th morning of the second month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Unfortunately, our planned guest had to cancel at the last second. Uh, something came up. It happens from time to time with legislators, so Representative Jenna Powell of Dark County, not Stark, Dark County, uh, is unable to join us. She is the co-sponsor of this bill that we are going to discuss in her absence. However, um, the other sponsor is Reggie Stoltzfus. He is a Republican from Stark County. So, yeah, we've got a Stark County and a Dark County, a couple of state reps, uh, sponsoring this bill. And this bill is about fairness. It was announced on Tuesday and formally introduced Wednesday. It's called the Save Women's Sports Act. And it would apply to public and private schools that are a part of the Ohio High School Athletic Association and college sports. The purpose of the Save Women's Sports Act is to do exactly what it says. Stop women's sports in Ohio from being destroyed the way they have been in other states, namely Connecticut. Among them. In Connecticut, nine girls who used to hold a combined 15 women's state championship titles in track and field, have been replaced by two males. Let me say that again. Nine girls used to hold state championship titles. They have now been replaced by two males. Two males combined competing in girls' track and field to win 15 women's state championship titles. Now, I want you to think about that, and I want to ask you about fundamental fairness. Reggie Stoltzfus, I mentioned, he is um, a Republican from uh, uh, Stark County, Paris Township, to be precise, uh, co-sponsored this bill and said this, It's not my desire 
to hurt anyone or punish those who may be affected by this legislation in some way, but to protect fair competition. I seek to treat all people with dignity and respect by promoting a level playing field in Ohio's interscholastic athletics. And, of course, the pushback is this is discriminatory. The pushback is transgender females, which, let's just be frank here, I don't believe in political correctness. I believe in actu- uh, uh, um, uh, reality. Um, transgender females means males. okay? Males who, who think or pretend or whatever that they're females would not be allowed to join high school or college female soccer, female field hockey, or track teams if this bill introduced by the two Ohio Republicans becomes law. Now, I'm going to pause there and ask this. Why are we stopping at soccer, hockey, and track, field hockey, and track? I don't know. I'm going to look to see if there's more to it than that because I would hope that biological males are not allowed to play women's basketball either. I was talking to Dr. Everett Piper about this, and I was talking to um, an attorney from Alliance Defending Freedom who is representing three girls in Connecticut who filed a lawsuit against the state for allowing those males to come in and take their titles from them and forcing girls to compete against these boys. And we did talk about um, basketball, and we talked about ice hockey. Women play ice hockey, believe it or not. You should know this, because the American team is the best team in the world. They win the gold medal. Um, But contact sports, or more physically combative sports, like basketball, and uh, uh, what about softball? Are biological males going to be allowed to step up there and rip softballs at uh, at at you know girls uh, uh, playing in the infield, hitting it Lord knows how many times harder than girls hit it? There are serious safety implications that have to be considered here as well. But the argument and the pushback again is, yeah, but, 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 discrimination. But, 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 inclusivity. But, 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 how can you let these people who feel like they are something other than what their biology and their anatomy and their physiology and their chromosomes say that they are, how can you uh, uh, prohibit them from participating? Girls want a chance to play fair and to win by the rules, said Jenna Powell. That opportunity is being ripped away from them by biological males competing in the same sport. It's a question high school sports associations across the country have tried to answer in recent years. How to balance the needs, hopes, and dreams of all their student-athletes in a way that's fair. For Powell, that solution is simple. Prohibit anyone who was born a biological male from competing in female sports. Quote, this bill ensures that every little girl who works hard to make it on a podium is not robbed of her chance by a biological male competing against her in a biological female sport. We want every little girl to achieve her athletic dreams here in the state of Ohio, end quote. Kind of hard to argue that. Jenna Powell, again, who was supposed to be with us but had to cancel at the last second, we'll try to get her on next week, um, is laying it out very clearly. This is there's this. Let's not overthink the solution. Boys run in boys races, girls run in girls races, and if the boys think they they belong in the female shower room afterwards, well, that's another that's another story, and we got to stop that too. But of course, the LGBTQ advocates, otherwise known as the Rainbow Mafia including the Trans-Ohio board member Lena Tenney say that the blank, uh, says that the blanket bans are part of a broader coordinated effort to erase trans kids from society. 
the Save Women Sports Act would require the OHSAA to, to block any male-born student from participating in a girls' sport in both public and private schools. Currently, OHSAA requires transgender girls, i.e. boys, show proof that they've been on a hormone therapy for at least one year or demonstrate that the student does, doesn't have a physiological advantage over athletes her age. I'm struggling to figure out how that is even done. How are they supposed to demonstrate that they don't have a physiological advantage? And regardless of whether hormone therapy has begun and has been going on for a year, the bottom line is human physiology dictates boys have thicker, denser bones. They have thicker, denser muscle mass. Their lungs have a capacity, a higher capacity rather, than female lungs do. So when it comes to matters of endurance or stamina, boys just have a massive advantage. And no hormone uh, therapy is going to stop that. But yet the LGBTQ uh, uh, community says that's already gatekeeping by making boys demonstrate that they're not quite as boyish as they were before. Antony continued, it ignores the fact that most kids aren't going to become professional or even collegiate athletes regardless of their gender. This is about letting, letting trans kids have a childhood, Tenny said. And I would like to speak with Tenny, too. Marcy, make a note of that. I would love to speak with Lena Tenny. Because guess what? It's not about letting chi- trans kids have childhoods. It's about robbing the childhoods of actual girls. Robbing them of the opportunities to achieve the goals that they have set for themselves. See, this is the problem in general, at large, with the entire Rainbow Mafia movement. They want to make it seem as though I and we and others are trying to discriminate against them, when the fact of the matter is they, by the pushing and the continuing advancing of their agenda, discriminates against actual real girls. They're the ones who take the hit. It's it's the same thing in large part, with the entire Rainbow Mafia movement. Uh, forget about sports for a moment. The idea that that bakers have to bake cakes or pies or whatever on demand, even if it violates their own religious beliefs. Florists, DJs, bands, photographers, all have been demanded to participate in same-sex weddings, even if it violates their own religious beliefs. And the argument is, hey, you're discriminating against us by not playing our wedding or working our wedding. But the truth of the matter is, it's the Rainbow Mafia that's discriminating against those professionals saying, you can't live by your religious tenets. We won't allow it. We'll sue you if you try to. Who's really being discriminated against here? And that's what's going on with these girls in sports. They are the ones being discriminated against. They're the, they're the ones losing the rights to compete. And guess what? The idea that, quote, most kids aren't going to even be scollegiate, or scollegiate, I just combined scholastic and collegiate together. Um, they're not going to be collegiate athletes, regardless of their gender, may be true in a, in a, in a statistical sense, but they're there. I challenge you to walk onto the campus of Ohio State University right now, the largest university in America, and ask to see the female track team. And then ask how many of them are on scholarships. You will see a bunch of them. Then go to a small school. Go to John Carroll. Go to Baldwin Wallace and ask to see the female track team. You're going to see them. So, yes, there are significant numbers. Now, statistically speaking, right. Statistics. 
statistically speaking, it is a very small number of high school athletes go on to compete at the collegiate level because you have to be really, really good and get an opportunity. But why are we going to wipe those statistical possibilities out, you know, the slim numbers that there are even further, by letting them, or allowing, rather, boys to compete in their, uh, in their sports and, and stop them from winning their championships and stop them from showing how good they really are? To say that, well, there aren't a lot of them that make it anyway, you're trying to say that none of them will make it now. This concern, not mu- no music yet, no music yet, please. This concern that trans girls and trans women, males, will be better misses the point, Tenney says. It's not their transness that gives them the competitive advantage. People's bodies are inherently different. Yes! Yes! The light bulb went on. People's bodies are inherently different. Male bodies are physically bigger, faster, and stronger, and superior to female bodies. What are you doing? What are you saying? How are you saying? How are you acknowledging that that bodies are different and then saying, but they all ought to be lumped onto the same competitive field? By that logic, by the LGBTQ advocate here, Larry or Lena or whoever, Tenny's logic, we should really not even have separate sports. Forget about boys competing in girls' races. Since all bodies are different, we should just have one track team. Boys and girls compete at the same time. That's it. Boys and girls on one basketball team. Boys and girls having just one um, uh, baseball team. Boys and girls, forget about girls softball. Boys and girls, in other words, everybody participate and compete in the same event. And guess what happens when that happens? When tryouts for those teams happen. The teams become consisting of 100% males and zero females that's why title nine was created that's why women's sports were developed that's why girls were given their own because they can't compete physically with males and they do lose opportunities and they are discriminated against that's why we did it and now to erase that and say now let's let them cross over let's let males participate with the females it it completely it, it just goes against everything and every principle of common sense that uh, that was applied when we created women's sports in the first place. It is simply amazing. So there is a state... Yeah, that's fine. You can play the music. So there is a lawsuit in the state of Connecticut to stop... to stop what happened to three girls who filed this lawsuit from happening to anybody else, losing all of their records and all of their, all of their championships to the boys who decided to run as girls. And here in the state of Ohio, we're trying to stop it before it ever begins. It's an important bill. It's called the Save Women's Sports Act, sponsored by Jenna Powell and Reggie Stoltzfus, and uh, they should be supported in this. We're going to try to get one or both of them on, and hopefully we'll try to get somebody from the mafia on as well and uh, and really get to the bottom of this. If you want to weigh in on it, we've got open lines uh, for the next eight minutes. 216-901-0945. Back after this. Ten twenty six. We'll take a few phone calls here before the bottom of the hour, and our friend Rob Walgate will be joining us at ten thirty five to talk about the Ohio primaries and to talk about super delegates and more. Uh, let's go to Dave, who's calling us from Lakewood. Hi, Dave. You're on the air. Hello, Dave. Can you hear me? Yeah, I 
I think this would be simpler. These boys that want to compete with girls, no, no, go higher. Go to the people that run high school sports. Say, boys compete with boys, girls compete with girls. Amen. It's that simple as that, and don't get into this other nonsense. That's my my opinion. Well, you know what, Dave? Your opinion. Thank you, my friend, for the call. Your opinion is shared by the legislators that I mentioned because that's pretty much what this bill says. The bill just says: if you're a boy, you compete with boys. If you're a girl, you compete with girls. Your psych- uh, psychological conditions, whatever they may be, your gender dysphoria, whatever it is that has you not believing that you're male, is not going to allow you to compete as a male uh, with a male body against uh, a bunch of females. That's pretty much what it says: boys race boys, girls race girls, and that's. It. Scott is in uh, Euclid on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Scott. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Um, Good, I just kind of wanted to call out the uh, Iowa Republicans because all these things should have been dealt with the same as that choice. They can't get together and just do practical, simple things that the rest of us all agree on and say, why aren't you doing this? Well, I'm failing to understand the comparison to Ed Choice, but I will say this: they can't just do it all themselves. I mean, there is a there is a Democrat uh, a, a half of the legislature. You know, they you know they they can't just ramrod everything through, everything through. I mean, I knew they I know they do have the majority in the House and the Senate in Columbus, but but you know there there is still there are still Democrat considerations, and usually there's give and take on this legislation so that you can get other things done. Well, I didn't want to skip to just Ed Choice, but. For freedom's sake, for parents who do not like public schools, mm-hmm. they cannot get it together, and they've controlled uh, the governorship, the House, and the Senate for over a decade, and we're still spinning our wheel. And okay. so this transgender bit could follow the same suit. It's not that complicated. Okay, I got you. So you're just, yeah, I got you. So you're just saying get together. You have the majorities. You ought to be able to push this through no matter what. I do see your point. Scott, I got a jet. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Uh, let me go to uh, Westlake. Alan, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, Alan. Hi, Bob. I was just uh, teaching kids in eighth grade about the uh, way the DNA uh, creates um, a child and that uh, the sex is determined at, at conception. So every cell in the body is a male or a female gender cell, regardless of what children might decide to do with their their physical genitalia. It has nothing to do with uh, the rest of their body. And they may have some other, you know, mental derangement that that makes them believe that they're another gender, but there's just no basis for it. So, you get the liberals that uh, want to always have it be factual and scientifically proved. They're completely ignoring the reality. You're a hundred percent correct, Alan, and I'm glad to hear you say that because, again, I, I was trying to speak a little bit to the, uh, you know, the differences in physiological differences between males and females by talking about bone density, which has been studied, of course, heart capacity, lung capacity, and all these other things. But you're right; just at a cellular level, uh, male cells and female cells are different, and they are prevalent throughout the body. And no hormone therapy is going to change that. Thank you, Alan. I appreciate the phone call. It's ten thirty. I got to get to the news, but Tracy in Strongsville is waiting. Let's squeeze her in here before the news. Tracy, go ahead. I don't have much time. Tracy, are you there? Yep, I'm here, Bob. How are you? Okay. I'm good, Tracy. I only uh, have 30 seconds. Go ahead. Yep. You know, my, my point is this. Um, you know, 
I'm so sorry. I forgot my whole train of thought. I just I love your show, but do you, well, you we know what, Tracy? I'll tell you what. Do you want? Do you want to go on hold? Let me put you on hold, okay? I do have Rob Walgate coming up, but I'll bring you on first after Rob Walgate, okay? Because I don't want to do that to you. I know you have something to say, but you're a little rushed. I get it. Sorry about that. Also, Nick Phillips called, host of The Advocate. I'm going to talk about what he had to say as well. So we'll do all of that after Rob Walgate joins us next on AM 1420 The Answer. The answer. Thanks for being with us on this Free For All Friday. It's been kind of an interesting show. We've had a lot of uh, interesting calls and opinions on a host of issues today. Not least among them, Democrats, three out of every four are willing to vote for a socialist. Democrats proclaim they love America just as much as the flag-waving conservatives do, yet they are willing to literally destroy America, replacing our free capitalist society with an oppressive socialist one all because they hate Donald Trump that much. It's uh, simply amazing. And they're going to get a chance to vote and put their money where their mouth is. Coming up in Ohio uh, on uh, March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, and, of course, in uh, a host of other states on Super Tuesday. And joining us now to analyze a little bit about the upcoming votes in Ohio and around the country is our friend Rob Walgate from the AP Roundtable, that's American Policy Roundtable, the Ohio Roundtable, the Public Square Broadcast Network, and iVoters.com. Rob, that's a big business card you got, my man. How are you? Hey, thanks for getting them all in. All is well, Bob. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, my friend. I appreciate uh, the chance to talk to you. We're going to hit something else, too, about uh, term limits in the state of Ohio. But let's start with what I just said. Just to, This isn't really on your, uh, you know, in your wheelhouse, but um, what do you make of the fact that, that the most recent Fox News poll says that it apparently even moderate Democrats are coming around? Maybe they're just accepting the fact that Bernie Sanders is going to be their nominee, and they're saying, yep, I would vote for him even though he's a socialist. I'm not convinced Bernie is going to be the nominee, Bob. been sitting here all morning running numbers and uh, crunching things as we head into Super Tuesday. It's been interesting to watch South Carolina. I know polls don't matter. What happens tomorrow there matters. But um, it seems like a lot of people have moved towards Joe Biden. I think you're going to see that towards Joe Biden and Mike Bloomberg in the, in the, the weeks and months ahead. And what happens on Tuesday is going to have a big say in who the nominee is. And as I crunch the numbers right now, I just don't see Bernie – having a pathway to get over 50% of the delegates. Uh, tell me why. And tell me what you make also of this, as long as we're here, uh, Rob Ballgate. Um, according to, let me find this story real quick, just so that I can quote it accurately. Um, this is according to the New York Times. They interviewed 93 party officials, all of them superdelegates. And they all say, uh, that, hold on, let me read it directly. All of them superdelegates who could have a say on the nominee at the convention and found overwhelming opposition to handing the Vermont uh, Senator Bernie Sanders the nomination if he arrives with the most delegates but falls short of a majority. To say that Bernie supporters would be upset would be a dramatic understatement. Um, essentially, the superdelegates would use their their superdelegate votes. And you're going to have to remind us all of how that works, what a superdelegate is and how much that compares to a regular delegate that would be won by one of the candidates. But they're essentially saying he could have more than everybody else and we're still not giving it to him. So the way it works is there's 3,979 pledged delegates. Those are decided by voters around the country uh, by the Democrat Party. And then each candidate has to reach a 15% threshold to receive some of those delegates. 
They also have district-wide votes, in essence, congressional districts or state senate districts. A candidate has to reach 15% threshold in those as well to receive some of those delegates. So they need a candidate would need 1,991 delegates. Those are called pledge delegates when they get to the convention to basically automatically win the nomination. That's on the first ballot. Now, if no one has that 1991 number, they would go to a second ballot, and all those pledged delegates, in essence, become unpledged. They can vote for whoever they want, number one. But number two, 771 superdelegates now come into play, and they can vote for whoever they want on that ballot. And they keep voting until someone wins a majority of the delegates in the voting process. What does majority mean in this context? I mean, I'm just looking at numbers. You well, said 50%, I'm sorry, 50% plus one. Okay, but I'm, I'm again, I'm looking at the math. 3,979 pledged delegates nationwide. Mm-hmm. You said yep. they need 1,191 to win the nomination on the first ballot. That's not a 50% majority. I, I misspoke then, Bob. It's 1991. Oh. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. It's, okay. it's 1991, and the reason it's a little bit greater than that, because the way the language reads for the Democrats is they need uh, 50% plus one, so 50% of that would be um, 89 and a half, 1989 and a half. You add one, it's 1990 and a half. So they round up, it's 1991. So Got I misspoke. It. I apologize. Okay, no, that's okay. It just it just confused me there um, because I was looking for the majority here, and that's not a majority. So uh, okay, so if nobody, and this is, I guess, why I think a lot of us on the Republican side just look at the Democrats and say, "What the hell is wrong with you people?" Um, because well, if it, Bernie it, comes in there, just hypothetically speaking. Bernie could come in there with 1,500 delegates. He could come in there just 400 short of the quote-unquote majority. And the next closest competitor competitor might have, let's say, 900 delegates. Just, again, I'm throwing this out right. for the sake of yep. this discussion. Uh, a massive, massive majority uh, prefer him compared to the next highest candidate. You're telling me that rather than saying that's our guy, they would revote and revote and revote and revote and take that away from him so that eventually somebody who only had 900 delegates at the start could get to the 1991 before the guy who had 1500 of them to start. That's why they don't see you need that's why they don't say you just need the most heading to the convention. That's why they give a number because they want to have a trap door so that they can control who the nominee is. And that's why it's set up that way. They did it in 2016 when the superdelegates were able to vote on the first ballot, and they all pledged their support to Hillary Clinton long before the convention. And that, in my opinion, is why Joe Biden did not get into the race uh, in 2016, because it was basically all sewn up because of what the superdelegates said they were going to do. No one was going to go against Hillary Clinton. Um, The other thing to keep in mind, Bob, the other thing to keep in mind, we talked about first ballot and what the delegates are tied to doing when it gets to the convention. But remember, there's no legal authority or you're not legally bound to vote on that first ballot for whoever the voters said told you to vote for. A candidate could say, you know what, I've only got 200 and some delegates. I want my people to vote for a different candidate. And what would happen then? Talk about throwing it into chaos. That would throw it into chaos as well. There's a lot of things to watch for. I'm just doing the numbers, and there's 1,357 delegates available on super tuesday so coming up there's 1357 and i i think the number to watch for bernie is around that 550 number on super tuesday that'd be roughly 40 percent if he doesn't get 
above 550 delegates on Super Tuesday, I think he's got a big problem getting the majority. I don't see a path to getting over 50%. And he probably needs to be looking closer to the 600, 620 number on Super Tuesday to really get the momentum and move forward because Joe Biden's gained momentum in South Carolina. He's gained momentum in North Carolina. Other candidates are reaching the 15% threshold. Look at Michael Bloomberg in Texas and some other states. So uh, there's a lot to watch, and I think it could be decided that there will not be a nominee. It will be a brokered convention relatively soon. But do you discount then that national poll that I mentioned that 76% of Democrats said they could support a socialist? I feel like that, you know, uh, that, that well, maybe six months ago that would not have been the case, but they see Bernie winning in uh, Iowa, then winning New Hampshire, then winning Nevada and saying, okay, this is, this is going to be our guy. So I'm going to go ahead and do this. We need to coalesce around one guy to really get uh, a full head of steam right. going into the summer to really, you know, go after Donald Trump rather than, you know, have this infighting continue all the way through the convention. In a, in a brokered convention? Well, I think that poll asked if he was the nominee. It's clear that Bernie's not winning close to 50% of the vote in any state. So mm-hmm. people would much prefer him not be the nominee. So I think the Democrats will do everything they can to hold them under, him under that 1991 number of delegates that we talked about. I think they would prefer him not being the nominee, someone else being the nominee and going up against Donald Trump. And I do think that will put the convention into chaos. I think you're going to see a lot of angry people in Milwaukee this summer, and it's going to be very interesting to watch how this plays out in the weeks. That's why people are sticking around. I mean, why is Elizabeth Warren still in the race? Why are some of these people sticking around and still in the race? Because if it totally blows up, they want to be there and just have a shot. They just want to be talked about, or maybe they want a vice presidential nod, but there is zero chance if Bernie's the nominee that he's bringing Elizabeth Warren with him. That's just not happening. She knows, though, if she's there for someone else, maybe she can slide in and be that female candidate. Maybe she can be that wing of the party that Bernie brings to the table. Maybe they could you know, uh, appease them by saying, hey, look, we're going to make her the vice president, even though Bloomberg or Biden or someone else is the nominee. They have a lot of issues on the Democrat side, Bob, heading into no this. Question. And listen, look at the way they do it. The left there are the people that scream the loudest that we should choose the president by a national popular vote. They don't even do their own nomination <laughs> process by a national popular vote. They, you can win the most votes in a state and not win the most delegates. What does that sound like? Sounds I'm like glad you pointed that out. I'm glad you pointed that out, not only in a state, but in the entire race here. Like you said, you could win the most, but not hit the magic number in the same way that you could win the most popular votes in the presidential election, but not hit the magic number of 270 of electoral votes. And, and that's, and you're right. The hypocrisy is just unbelievable here. They say that's terrible. That's not democracy. And there's a reason for that. We're not a democracy. We're a representative republic. And these electoral, uh, voters, uh, are, are voting to represent the people in the state who voted a certain way. So, uh, but, but yeah, the hypocrisy is that they do exactly the same thing in their own uh, uh, nomination process uh, that we do at the national level, and then they complain. It's uh, it's remarkable. Rob, tell me about iVoters.com. Somebody called me Tuesday, maybe Monday or Tuesday. Somebody called me and said, hey, you know, if you go down to your local board of elections, uh, you can get a, a copy of the ballot and and see everything that's on the Ohio ballot, uh, you know, before you vote. Uh, and I said, why would you want to go do something like that? We well, can just go to iVoters dot com because you guys pretty much have everything that is up for uh, um, a vote in uh, the state of Ohio on March seventeenth, right there. So why don't you tell us about it? 
State rep all the way to the White House. Visit iVoters.com, enter your address and zip code, and up will pop the candidates that are running in your area. You can take a look. You can look at their website, the Ballotpedia profile, where their experience. There's all the information that you want is right there. Now, uh, and we will have it up and available for all 50 states for the general election, but right now Ohio and Illinois are up because they are voting on March 17th. And, again, voting for state rep all the way up. Some states have their primaries, like Florida goes on March 17th as well, but they don't have their state election, their state primary, till later on in the year. So Ohio and Illinois are up right now live on iVoters.com. You can get all the information that you need. I'm looking at them right now. As a matter of fact, it's kind of funny because, you know, these ballots are printed before, you know, different decisions are made on the campaign trail. So you still see Cory Booker. You still see Deval, oh, yeah. yep. uh, well, Deval Patrick, I don't think has ever dropped out. But then again, nobody even knows he started. Uh, Michael Bennett is still on there. Uh, let's see. Well, the rest of them, I guess, kind of matter. Well, They're all still. Yeah, that, that's the one surprise we hear, you know, um, when people log on to look, they say, well, so-and-so's withdrawn or so-and-so. We, we do our best. We work harder. Teams built the spreadsheets and done everything like the ballot. We want it to look as your ballot's going to look when you step in for that race. We don't want anyone to be caught by surprise on what's happening. How many times have we done that, especially in the primary process? You step in to vote in a primary if you're aligned with the Democrat or Republican Party. You're voting for state rep or state senator, and you're like, wait a minute. There's three candidates here. I thought I'd only have my choice of one because it's a primary and maybe no one was running against them. There's others that are running. I encourage listeners, do their homework before they step into the voting booth on March 7th. And some of that homework I should uh, I should just share and, and kind of pump this up a little bit, uh, Rob, because it's so important, can be done on this webpage. Um, uh, in, the, in the block... Um, that shows each candidate for each of the races. Um, iVoters.com, Rob Walgate and his team have put together a link to that candidate's website as well as their Ballotpedia profile. And that's especially important when you get into uh, uh, races in which you might not know very much about the candidates, like the ju- uh, judicial races. You know, Supreme yeah. Court won Judith French, the Republican, Jennifer Bruner, the Democrat. Uh, you take a look at their website. I just clicked on Judith French's website. It's, you know, reelect Justice French and uh, the Ballotpedia profile. So people don't know much about judicial candidates and maybe even some state representative candidates um and and other lesser known races than the big ones at the federal level this is a great way to learn so you can go in there and cast an informed vote. yeah and there's a uh, your listening area uh state senate district 22 there's a republican primary i believe there's four candidates running for that office it's Senate President Larry Obhoff's seat is term limited out. So um, there's some action going on in some places in the primary across the state. We went with a lot of work, but we wanted to have it done and ready on, up for the primary process. iVoters.com. Make sure you go there, put in your address like Rob said. Rob, real quick, because doggone it, I ran out of time to hit what you just mentioned. You said about uh, uh, Larry Obhoff being uh, uh, term limited out. You sent me a link yesterday, and we chatted a little bit about a bill, a proposal to change the term limits in the state of ohio and uh, i know you're not a huge fan of it you want to tell us about that briefly <laughs> well it's a constitutional amendment that's being proposed there'll be people around the state gathering signatures on it we have term limits in ohio right now passed in the early 90s allow you to serve eight consecutive years in the house or eight consecutive years in the senate actually a little more if you were appointed um it's worked out well it's changed leadership there's been a lot of positives because of it it's much better in the old system there's a proposal right now to eliminate that and they want candidates to be able to serve 16 straight years 16 years total you can do it straight you can do it broken up but house senate doesn't matter you have 16 years to serve 
and then you would be done and not permitted to serve. I think it's a bad proposal. I think it would allow leadership to not change in this state. And when it comes to people around the state of Ohio, the only place that I hear this being talked about it needs to change is inside Interstate 270, inside Columbus. Uh, by the lawmakers themselves. So I look forward in the months to come as they collect signatures to come on the show and you and I can discuss and debate and take a look at the actual constitutional language they are proposing. I look forward to doing that, Rob Walgate. Rob Walgate with the AP Roundtable, the Ohio Roundtable, the Public Square Broadcast Network, and yes, iVoters.com. Know what you're voting on before you vote in the Ohio primary. Educate yourself at uh, iVoters.com. Rob Walgate, thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. All right. Thanks, Bob. Talk to you soon. 1051, back after this. There is no turning back, no There is no turning back Final segment of this Free For All Friday Final segment of the day, final segment of the week very much looking forward to the weekend. Got a tournament basketball game tonight. Got a visit to Parents Weekend up in Hillsdale tomorrow. Uh, really, really looking forward to the weekend. I hope you've got great plans as well, and I thank you for being with us today and all week long. Let's wrap it up with a couple of strong phone calls. Tracy in Strongsville got rushed earlier uh, before Rob Allgate came on. I said, let's calm down. Let's let's uh, relax so I don't have to rush you. And now you have some time here, Tracy, to make your points on transgender sports. Thank you for hanging on. Go right ahead. Hi, Bob. Yep, I'm all prepared this time. Thank you. So right. in OSHA here in o- OSHA here in Ohio, there are rules that limit how old a student can be to play high school sports. And if you read it, it's a lot to do with poses a safety risk, um, enjoys advantages in terms of physical maturity. I can't understand how we're missing the common sense here that boys who are born biologically boys should not compete against girls for the same reason. You don't want a 22-year-old competing against your 14-year-old. That's 100% right. There are limitations for that reason. That is exactly right. If we can see the reason and the common sense in that, how do we not see the same reason and common sense in male and female competition? Thank you, Bob. I totally agree with you. Thank you. Tracy, great point. Thank you for, for adding that to the conversation. That is exactly right. Let's go to Charlie in Cleveland next. AM 1420, The Answer. Charlie, go right ahead. Morning, Bob. Hey, Morning, uh, I think I got this figured out. Why don't they just start a whole new class, have a transgender class? You know, with the way this country's going and the way that these parents are mentally abusing their children by allowing them to pick their gender, there's going to be more and more uh, viable athletes that they could just start their own class of athletes, a transgender class. You want to know why that'll never work, my friend? Why is that? Because what what they are demanding is not to be considered transgender. Their messages, and you can see it all over Twitter, for example, is transgender women are women. Transgender males are males. They, they literally want to be treated. That's why they won't accept transgender bathrooms. That's why a male who thinks he's female is a quote-unquote transgender female is demanding access to the bathrooms, shower rooms, locker rooms, etc. of actual women. So, so they would never accept transgender competitions. They're like, no, why would I run against transgender people? I am a woman, and I demand to be treated as such. I'm racing against women. 
That's the that's the real again. That's the Rainbow Mafia that I talk about. They are demanding not to just be accepted as how they feel differently. They want everyone else to actually have to treat them as such and allow them to actually you know live their lives as women, no matter how it impacts real women. But their argument falls apart because they say they defend the transgender. They don't say they defend the males or the females. No, no, no. They but but, but their defense, the no, but, but Charlie, their defense of the transgender is to accept them as not being transgender. They want to be accepted as being what they think they are. They want to be called woman. That's why we have this pronoun fight, the she-he thing. Uh, you know, uh, they don't want to be treated as being transgender women. They just want to be treated as, quote-unquote, women. So, I, yeah, I'm with you. Don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to give you the other side. This is why it'll never work. They will not accept a third um, category of competition being transgender category. They're going to say, no, you are not going to make me an outcast. I am a woman, and I demand to be treated with the women. And that's unfortunately where we end. Thank you, my friend, for the call. Great stuff. Great conversation all day. If you missed anything on today's program or all week long, go to uh, whkradio.com. Click on the podcast link. Click on the local podcast. Find the Bob France Authority and catch up on what you, what you missed. Enjoy your weekend. We'll see you Monday. Bye-bye. Enjoy the silence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.